Hello and welcome to the Human and Machine podcast, the show where we explore the relationship between man and machine and the industrial and manufacturing world, the challenges and opportunities we face, innovation, and of course, we speak with the brilliant people leading the charge and the change. With your host, me, Jaku Marquat. And me, Lenny. Lenny Smith. And this is episode 29. Lenny, welcome back. It's been a minute. It almost feels like you're a stranger to me, Yaku. It's only our second episode this year. It's been been a little bit of a (laughs) chasing the tail year, to be honest. Uh, It is. Which is is good. But yeah, from a podcast perspective, I think... um, we, we probably need to gear up a bit. Yeah, definitely. A lot, lot happening in the world. A lot happening in our industry. It's been, uh, as Lenny said, it's been a, it's been a uh, roller coaster year. Only the second recording for this year. We do apologize for that. Uh, we've got a couple more scheduled, so our, our frequency is is definitely going to to pick up. Uh, but it's been it's been a productive uh, year so far, 2022. It's been crazy things happening all over the world. Um, but but we're all busy, which we're grateful for. And yeah, if you if you join us for the previous few episodes, you'll recall what we've been doing, or at least the, the 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 content of the last two or three episodes. We've been exploring the role of data and information in digital transformation broadly, uh, but also the importance of automated data collection, cleansing, contextualizing, and serving the data as valuable information to the right people for for time critical decision making. That's really what the last couple of episodes have been about. And ultimately moving from data management to data operations. Um, We spoke with Carolina Torres from Cognite and discussed why data is a sustainability problem. That was episode 28. Really, really cool episode with Carolina, if you you missed that. Yeah, she's got a brilliant way to describe the difference between data management and and information so yeah it's it's quite it's quite insightful um, yeah definitely go and listen to that episode. oh you, you can share what there was i recall there was the water example. the water yeah so um you know if you if you think about data management is the whole concept of where do i steer the data how do i store the data how fast do i store the data when do i archive the data how do i manage all of this data and, mm. and we need to move away from from that kind of scenario it's like your house right if you you've got uh plumbing um, and everything that needs water is connected to that. Uh, to the that, water mains. To the water mains. Mm. If you get a new fridge that can make ice and you want to hook it up, you're not going to go and drill a new borehole or add another well mm. um, from that perspective. Mm. Rather use the information, the water, the information or the data that's on tap, literally, yes. um, and just hook it up. So moving away from having to worry about another silo of information and rather using the, the the data that's already available for you. Yeah, yeah, I love that example. It's a really practical way of thinking about data. Um, it, and, and from a practical point of view, it gives you probably a realistic view on what a data lake is. <laughs> <laughs> You'd rather get data from a tap from mains than from a lake. Um, anyway, but yeah, that, that was a very cool discussion with Carolina Torres from Cognite. And today we're excited to reach into uh, I suppose some of the more practical aspects of this challenge. Um, and I think we're going to especially talk about what that looks like in the food and beverage manufacturing world. Yeah, especially around utility management as well. Mm, definitely are, utilities and energy. So we're not experts, of course. So joining us today is Robert Aubrey, the owner of Next Integration. Rob, welcome to the Human and Machine podcast. And thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me online. It's great to be here. You're joining us from Cape Town. I hope the the area that you are, I hope the, the, the baboons are not terrorizing you today. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's a lovely day in Cape Town, midwinter. <laughs> yeah. That's how it goes. <laughs> Baboons are safely on the mountain. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is not our this is not our first attempt to record an episode with you, Rob. The first one was in person, which which didn't happen. We ended up having a couple of beers instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a good chat, didn't we? Anyway. No, the conversation would have been an entertaining podcast, but uh, we we didn't record that. Um, mm-hmm. We had beers instead, but yeah, this is our second attempt, and I'm I'm glad that we we all found the time to to chat with you. Um, so Rob, can you can you maybe share some of your industry background and experience and next integration and, and what you're all about? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, so my name's Robert and we uh, basically run next integration with business partner Justin Slubber, who's up in Joburg. Um, and we focus on on bringing data to management and to to the to the to the key decision makers in the plant and not just management, but also to the shop floor. So we, we really focus on, on kind of bringing information from the machines to the, to the decision makers and making sure that everybody has the right tools to do their job. Now we focused a lot and based on my experience and Justin's experience in automation and my experience in running um, larger production facilities um, on bringing utilities data forward and bringing um, production information forward and really making that as relevant as possible and contextualized as possible. And, um, you know, we've used a lot of various different tools to do that. Obviously, the Element 8 package is great for that. But um, we've got, you know, but the, but the, the, the problems are diverse. And, um, you know, I think there's, there's so much need for this <laughs> at this stage yeah. of the game. It's amazing. Yeah, we, we've come to know you and, and, and the team as specialists in, in obviously manufacturing and information systems, but specifically utilities management and water and energy reduction. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities there. Yeah, sure. Um, and I think, I mean, just from my past to, to talk a little bit more about that, I spent um, 10 years at the breweries and, um, and, and focusing on and being kind of the, the stakeholder or the key, key uh, role player for um, optimizing water and electricity usage and that that's kind of been the fundamentals of um, how we've kind of driven driven towards um, running next integration and running running it in terms of optimization and focusing on what what do the what do the decision need, makers need to see and what mm. do they what do they need in front of them in order to to move forward and yeah. reach their targets and the, the food and beverage industry is, is we all know it's a high volume, low margin business. And, and by aiming at these energy and utility uses and usages, I think they, they can reduce costs, increase their competitiveness, and obviously um, for, the, for the more mature business, meet their sustainability targets. And um, we, in the chat with Carolina, we spoke a little bit about the role of culture within business. And I think while energy management is is considered a key pillar um, of a sustainability strategy. There, there has to be a sustainability or an energy culture within a business as well. And a lot of that, a lot of that, in order to have that kind of a conscious view, to your point that every stakeholder from the boardroom to the manufacturing floor, they must have clarity and understanding why decisions are made um, and how and what they can contribute to the success of that sustainability or energy goal and for that they of course need data yeah yeah no quite right and uh, yeah i mean they need they need the 
they need accessibility to that data. Um, and, you know, the data is often there, but they just don't have the tools to get it out in the way they want to see it. So it's important to, to work that. And, um, you know, there's, there's um, so many great solutions out there for that. And, um, yeah. But yeah. That's, that's really what it's all about. Um, and then, you know, helping to make the decisions and helping to contextualize and create a target with you. As, as we discussed, was discussed um, with Carolina, is, you know, you, you can't, you don't know where you are. You don't even know what you're, you don't, you don't have a reference point. You don't know what the benchmarks yeah, are and what you should be looking towards, which was quite yeah. interesting too. You know? It's so true. So, so Rob, maybe, maybe, Take us through that process. Yeah, um, I, I know there's there's probably a lot of, <laughs> a lot of steps in the process. Obviously, first one is you spoke about the data. You spoke about data not being accessible. Uh, my intro yeah. line was this whole concept of a of a universal tap of of data on a plant floor. It's yeah. not it's not probably that that simple and that easy. So maybe if you can typically paint the, the what's the reality the data landscape yeah. on a typical site and then how do you go to do a little bit of baselining how do you go then to i mean baselining is one thing but then obviously it needs to be coupled to some other initiative yeah. uh so i don't and this is probably going to be a long answer but maybe just take <laughs> us through that process let's start from yeah Lenny and I are, are, are part of the technology provider crowd. You're on the on the integration yeah. side, so for sure. you, it's you're probably a lot more closer to mm. what the reality is and what you find when you go to some of these facilities. Yeah, and you know what? There's such a diverse range within within South Africa and within the world. You know, as to where everyone is um, on this journey, and you've got certain roles, stakeholders um, that are you know, have just had utilities on the side and, you know, just made sure that they've got what they need to do their job to produce what they need to produce. And then you've got, um, you know, the some of the larger players who are right down the line, they've got 250, 300 meters on their plants and they don't, you know, they, they've got them there and maybe they're using them, maybe they're not. Um, or maybe they're partially using them and 100 of the 250 are not working, for example. And then, yeah. you you know, you so you've got such a broad spectrum of, of, of role players. And then you've got the real um, kind of top end companies that are monitoring and measuring everything and alarming and, you know, responding to, to high usages within an hour or within a few minutes if they notice it um, based mm -hmm. on, on specific alarms. So, you know, we do have a, a huge landscape, but what we find the majority of the time is that there may be a handful of water meters on a site or electricity meters, but they're totally and utterly underutilized and the opportunity is phenomenal within mm -hmm. the, the, the cost opportunity and the, the savings opportunities. Um, and so coming in there, the first thing we need to do is, as was discussed so many times, you can't improve what we don't know or we don't know where we are. Um, so we need to get the meters in there. We need to get um, meters installed and meters um, communicating, whether it's um, just physical meters and somebody walking around and taking a reading once a day or once a week, you know, that gives us some information and that's, that's, that's useful. It's certainly a lot more useful than nothing. Um, and then, you know, we can transform it and we can bring the data through whether we use the new kind of IoT ways or the kind of traditional ways of hardwiring everything through and um, get the information through to the, to, to the, to a central system and generating some basic consumption reports, you know, that would be the first port of call 
Mm. Once you've got those consumption reports, I think the next most important step is to really try and contextualize that. So bring that into a useful metric. Let's take an example. So we've got a small factory and say we used 200 cubic meters of water yesterday. Is that good or bad? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, Depends on know. How, much, how, much, how much we you know, produced and what we're producing and you know, what machines we've got, what technology we've got, et cetera, et cetera. So there's so much context to that. So it's absolutely key to, um, to not just have an input of what your consumption is, but also have a metric of what we are referencing it to. So how much, how much volume did we produce? whether you get those numbers from SAP or mm. from your kind of manually entered in, uh, entries or whatever it may be. Um, it, it's valuable to get that in, input so that we can start metering it and we can start contextualizing that and really bringing it forward. And then, um, you know, then at least we've got a ratio and maybe now we know we used three liters for every liter of product we produced or every kind of widget we made. Um, and we know that that was quite good or quite bad and, you know, we can, kind of start to, to have a look at that and we can start to generate a reference point. Mm. Um, having a bit of insight into kind of, you know, your, your question leaded further around kind of how do we define benchmarks or where do we go with that? And, you know, obviously the larger companies um, have their own benchmarks and their own standards, but within each industry, there are also standards and benchmarks. And a lot of the time, if you don't know where to go and start looking, just go to the OEMs, have a look at what the new machines are doing. The yeah. OEMs will know exactly what they're, what they're producing. So that's a, that's, that's a great starting point. And then you know how far you are off. And, you know, it helps to, 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 to justify whether you should be upgrading your facility or not. You know, maybe it's got a payback within a short period of time based on even just your utilities. Um, so you've got to really, really take a look at it um, holistically and and those would be your, you know, it's so simple, but it's so, um, you know, it's fundamental to, um, to find in it. What I'm doing is, you know, for example, um, we've got various different, I'm going to a facility this afternoon where we, we, we have no idea, um, you know, we don't, we don't even have any idea um, what the benchmarks are. We don't have any idea what we, um, where we, where we, where we started. Um, and so, you know, it's it's an initial visit and you kind of arrive there and you, you see what you see and you kind of decide, okay, cool, we need to put in a few meters. But the first thing is to kind of assess what, you know, you can look at your municipal, municipal bills as well and you can kind of see where you are from those kind of key utilities. And then you can jump in and you can say, cool, guys, so we, we're producing this much product, we produce, we're using this much utilities. Um, let's put in these meters yes it'll take a couple of months to get it all in and working and 100 percent. but in the meantime these are your quick wins um mm -hmm. and you need to you yeah. need to be able to identify that as well so i think that's kind of <laughs> maybe my answer to your question does that make sense absolutely robert i i love the way that you because the way that you explained it almost ties in exactly with a webinar i did a few a few weeks back where i explained the different analytics pillars the way that you explain it going from just get a basic consumption report, mm. that is what we call diagnostic analytics. Um, so that is looking at your historical information to understand how much did I actually just consume past hour, past shift, past day. 
And that is, that is the base, base layer of that type of analytics. And very important, yes, I, you will have some cases, there will be manual data, but at least the calculations and the transformations that you do on that to give you that consumption report is now institutionalized. And what I mean with that, it's every day, it's gonna execute the same report and you're gonna get the same result. So when you standardize that and you have an operational view that every day you will have that consumption report, then you're on a good way to do your, your um, diagnostic analytics. And then the second part that you spoke about is now getting all of this other metadata or context associated with it is, is, is then exactly going into the second step which is your what we call descriptive analytics. So this is now where you say, okay, I understand what my consumption per shift was, but what does it relate to, as you said, product, uh, line, machine type, uh, operator on the line, uh, work order that I'm running. Yeah. Um, so there's so much so other many. factors that can influence why your consumption is up or down hmm. um, and try to understand that worth adding this context is absolutely key. Yeah. Um, and what we also found with utilities is that there's a certain baseline consumption which you almost need to negate and then you you know you can do a, you can do a slightly smarter ratio if you yeah. if you take that into consideration yeah just so to say to have the lights on is going to take this but not to run our machines efficiently is that you know yeah. I mean? yeah it's almost your second and true baseline yeah but so important as you say and then yeah yeah so you've, you've had the luxury of um uh I mean, your experience spans from some very mature brewing operations to um, a lot smaller uh, manufacturing type facilities. Would you say, so a couple of areas. The first thing is, would you say that there are some common challenges regardless of size or maturity, first of all? Absolutely. <laughs> I yeah. mean, the first one is consumption of it. Okay. You've got to right. you've got to have the right attitude. You've got to have the, the people wanting the data. You know, and I yes. think that's that's fundamental. I mean, as we as was discussed, I think in the last session as well, is kind of it is a people problem to a large extent. Mm. We've got to, and it's not necessarily a problem. It's a people kind of challenge. We've got to we've got to really all be in the frame of mind that we want to optimize this. We want to improve. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's not only at one level, it's throughout the business as well. Um, and yes. that you find from, you know, from the big companies and corporates, um, definitely it's, it's absolutely key there, but it's also so important at, in the smaller operations. If you find somebody who's running a small operation and you, you can tell immediately when you walk in the door, and I do, I know, because, um, you know, it depends on, how what their level of interest is um in the, in the topic um, yeah. and uh, <laughs> you, know, you can see whether it's going to be a success or not um yes. and sometimes you've got to bring the financials in there too you've got to you've got to show them that okay so there's no no budget for this but what are your consumptions we can no, make this absolutely i was going to ask you about the quick wins i think that's so important because even though even though we're talking about the drive towards green and there, there is still a ROI and a business case that has to be presented regardless of, of, of the sustainability or the more philosophical kind of a, 
kind yeah, of maybe view. it's still an ROI, a ROI in a business yeah. case. It's, it's exactly what I want to ask. I want to ask about obviously, you know, a lot of companies will do this for cost reduction. Yeah. Um, Rob, are you seeing that companies are also from a social responsibility perspective? Uh, you know, that a company, as you said, from top, top, from the top to the down, that I yeah. almost want to say that the company's motto is becoming, let's become more sustainable. Um, I mean, especially in South Africa, we've got a lot of problems, right? We've got yeah. water problems, yeah, big, electricity yeah. problems. <laughs> uh, but from a, just a, from a world perspective with, you know, the whole greenhouse gas and, and global warming kind of thing, are you seeing that companies are, are obviously doing it? The, obviously, they're going to do it for cost. <laughs> Let's yeah. not kidding. But are you seeing that the sustainability drive is coming through from, from that perspective as well? Look, I would say absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a lot of emotion behind it. And water is often is a great example of this because water is often quite hard to actually get as good a payback as you would for an electricity or a steam or a, you know, various other thermal projects. Um, but there's a lot of emotion behind water at this stage of the game and where we are and depending where you are in the country, I know, you know, Port Elizabeth and so on is particularly stressed and there's so many different countries around the world that are so stressed um, from a water perspective South Africa yeah. being one of those so um, absolutely I think there's there's um, more than just the financials behind it and this is across from the small through to the larger I think the the larger corporates definitely um, have I think emotion and kind of you know the social economic impacts um, play a bigger part there but um, you you certainly do find it even even down to the to the smaller players, um, where where social economic impacts are or social impacts are are, yeah. are substantially um, increased in weight. Yeah, so I think um, you know it's it's not just a financial, but we definitely um, find it's very easy to to justify projects. The most difficult um, to get some people's heads around is justifying metering, but you cannot optimize until you are metering effectively. Yeah. And that is the concept that you've just got to get your head around. And it's not yeah. necessarily cheap. It can cost um, multi-millions to put in the right meters in larger facilities. So you've got to get the right stuff and you've got to, got to, got to get, do it properly and sustainably as well. Yeah. So, so the, what you spoke about earlier is I almost want to think about it as the, as the kind of the tactical aspect of it is putting down some infrastructure, uh, getting to some kind of a baseline, being able to measure um, historically over, over periods of, of hours, days, weeks. Um, and then very importantly is having the, the reporting that is contextualized and insightful and then creating almost dependency on those reports, first of all, and then a conscious culture where everybody is aware of the reports and look at the reports and look at the data. Um, and that, that's a big part of that culture. Uh, you know, you to create a culture of improving something or create a culture of, of measuring something and measuring ourselves against something, the reporting is quite a big aspect of it. And something that you mentioned, you know, we sometimes see a, a measure or a metric and we're not sure if it's good or bad. Do you find that the reporting is sometimes representative of that as well? Where we see a metric or a number in a report, and we don't know if that number or, or, or measure is good even on the report, uh, meaning that our reports have to 
be a lot more intuitive and reflective of, of, of the status of something. Yeah, uh, yeah, it definitely is the case. And, you know, how we try and tackle this is, you know, you start out trying to put your quantities down, then you move on to your ratios and you kind of contextualize it to that extent. But the real kind of end goals here are to contextualize it per batch or per, if you've got a batch process or per, you know, time period, you know, if you can, if you can get it on a production run or a, you know, whatever it may be, that's context, that's, that's the most appropriate context to each site or each um, operation, then that makes sense. Um, and that really helps to eliminate whether you stop for cleaning or stop for whatever it may be um, and eliminate, um, you know, or clean the data even further. Mm -hmm. um, and similarly, you could do that for um, an event being a, a cleaning period or a maintenance day what was your what were your usages and you can generate additional benchmarks based on that as well which is quite useful and then um, you know what we've done as well in a couple of instances is just bring in the data bring in bring in financials in there you know generating a electricity usage report based on you know dollar base as opposed yeah. to um, you know just usages and ratios um, yeah. and you know, eventually the end state of that is if I push this rinse button again, what's it going to cost the business? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's where you want to get to. <laughs> and and you able yeah. you're able to get to that kind of granular um, resolution uh, resolution for for operators, for example, where they understand the impact of a recycle Absolutely. or, a, or a, that. Yeah, that that's the goal, I think. Then, yeah. then you can have awareness. Then you've got awareness, and you've got just kind of proactive kind of responses to it, you know, do we, and it's not, it's not just um, reactive responding on, on uh, meters that are alarming based on high usage or whatever, but you've got kind of the, the forward thinking, what should we do? Should we change brands now? Should we carry on? You know, we can actually plan our strategy um, accordingly. And that's, that's really when, you know, you're in a good space. Mm. Maybe, yeah. maybe at that point, um, if you if you've got some examples, Rob, of the different methods. So if you if you just put in this baseline of your normal consumption reporting, what what is it that you would be able to achieve or gain from just the consumption reporting, and then adding the additional context? There was a great example about now I can actually start to plan. I can plan different products. Um, I can understand when I need to run those different products. Um, from my a little bit of experience and you might might be able to tell me different but from what i see is as long as you've got this institutionalized consumption reporting from a diagnostic perspective one thing that immediately happens is um, you probably find that prior to that your variability in your utility usage would have been probably all over the place um, as as soon as you put in that baseline and you can measure against that baseline one thing that that normally happens is, is that your variability at least decreases um, and then simply because of the awareness simply because of the awareness and then only when you start moving to a little bit more adding more context that's when you actually drive drive it downwards or even downwards and into a narrower band of, of variability and I don't know if you've seen that with some of the projects that you've been been working on yeah, you know, it's hard to give you specific examples on that, but what I do find is that you will, 
you know, you'll, you'll start um, moving in that direction and you'll generate a target for yourself, which you think mm. may think is ambitious. But the more you kind of get into that frame of mind, the more you realize that that target was actually quite easy, you know, and, and so yeah. often you can overstep your targets based on that. But if you don't have that baseline benchmark information, you end up, as Carolina was also saying, is like, you know, you've got these companies putting these overly ambitious goals out there, which they just do not even have any idea how they're yeah. going to achieve. We, we need to um, reduce our energy by 25% based on what baseline and what metrics. Yes, yeah. yeah. So generally what we do, what, what we find is that if you can show how, you know, you've got a couple of projects and a strategic plan and you've got a, uh, and, and your capital investments kind of from that perspective um, can help you and it certainly will help you. But once you start getting your, your, your company into the frame of mind that they're actually investing in projects like this that are moving towards sustainable development, you'll find that the social and the ways of working have changed already and your savings are already there. That's what we found the most. It's it's very interesting and it's 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 intriguing. But if you if you're in a mental space that you're meet you're monitoring and you're um, measuring and you're kind of reporting and talking about it in your production meetings, um, then and you're talking about the right information in your production meetings, mm-hmm. then your capital investment plan and your strategic plan is important. Yes, but mm-hmm. you will find that you'll save almost as much or maybe more just through the the mentality and the kind of awareness of the of, of the usages and the kind of people walking around and closing taps and just just being more diligent about it and thinking about that sort of stuff. So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. I got a bit. No, I think, um, I think yeah. it does. It does. And I think another important point that you just mentioned there is, and I spoke we spoke about it earlier as well as the information must be available to anybody or an organization because it's not a it's not oh, the energy yeah. department it's not the quality department or the energy maintenance or the maintenance guy's responsibility it's a overall company-wide yeah. um drive um you spoke about rob that sometimes it's difficult to get hold of the information though um and from a obviously we we, we play in the technology um provider space if you can have maybe advice on people when they go on this journey what what should they look out for when when considering considering either solutions, stacks mm. in that solution or space, and technologies mm. that you're going to deploy? I mean, you, you mentioned it, IoT. Yes, they, it makes it a little bit easier these days. Maybe not as big as a, a installment um, requirement from a hardware perspective, uh, but again, some of these vendors will now push it to their their little cloud solution and. At yeah. some point, you need to get it out to, to work out your ratios, right? You still need to get it back to the production floor. So any advice that you can maybe just give people when, when looking at this space, especially on what technology would you kind yeah. of propose to do that? And it's, it's yeah. No, cool. I mean, that's absolutely critical. And, you know, I think, um, you know, the main thing here is to make sure that you have control of the data. You, you own the data. That's, that's first and foremost, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, centralizing that into a data historian or a, you know, data, a central database that you can at least manage. So first thing we try and do is put down a historian and it, you know, it doesn't have to be an expensive system. Um, and 
you know, it can be cloud-based as well. Absolutely. There's no reason why you wouldn't want that. Um, and, you know, just try and collate information. A lot of the sites will already have data in silos. So, you know, what we would try and do is try and bring that, you know, use an API to pull that out and into, into your historian if you're not going to replace the meters for that. Um, you know, try and try and integrate it and centralize it in, in one place. And then you can really think about moving forward. You know, yeah. once you've got it in an in a place where you, you've got access to the raw data, you can pull a trend and you can see what happened. And you know, in so many respects, um, we've got we've got a certain client that wants it's just, you know, just just wants a report in the end of the month. But the problem I have with that is that you, and yes, that's when you end up going into one of these real data silos and somebody owns your data and they just churn out a report for you at the end of the month. But it doesn't allow you to, to really that's delve into it and problem solve. And it doesn't allow your process engineers to really understand what's happening and your team to really take ownership yeah. and your operators to see what happened. Oh, that was interesting. I pushed that button and it did this now. You, you really want them to be able to go and just pull a trend and see exactly what happened there on the usage or what happened relative to the equipment that they're working on. That's really where the power comes in. Yeah, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think that, you know, they are, it's an investment. And if you're going to invest in, in some kind of an energy solution, you know, there is a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of different solutions out there. There's a lot of methodologies and approaches out there. Um, and a lot of them may, a lot of them may seem very complex. And very often, I think it's easy to spot something that potentially looks very simple in nature, but then you have the risk of 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 that creating another data silo. Mm -hmm. um, and probably the best approach is to rather combine all of these different silos already and and build a view from there. And the the thing that you mentioned a little bit earlier, you mentioned manual data entry. Yeah, and I. I'm amazed at how many organizations and, and manufacturing operations still rely on manual data entry. So it, it, it is important to have a solution that caters for manual data entry, number one. And number two, if you are considering some kind of a solution, you could also even start with manual data entry mm -hmm. just to start getting some kind of a view or baseline and build it out from there. Absolutely. I think, you know, there's so much power in even just a single data point a day or a week, even if you have to, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's so much better than nothing. And it's also, um, you know, it, it can, you know, it's an 80, 20 principle kind of approach. You know, you can get so much for so little if your system allows a manual data entry point on the other occasion. So, you know, that's 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 really what it, where it comes in. And, you know, I was just thinking about this now is, you know, if we look at sustainable metrics, one of the key ones is safety. And getting safety values in manual entry is 99% of your, your, your kind of, the, your source of data. So yeah. um, that's really, you know that's 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 proven and it's proven to be hugely effective if you can have effective safety systems and um, be looking at your near misses or your whatever it is um each on a daily basis and so you can incorporate all of these into one system so effectively with the right technology yeah yeah the other thing that you mentioned now about the the people aspect of it which is of course part of manual data entry is the the very, very important and valuable uh, 
commentary, um, Con context, human, human, context. human context that is provided, you know, having the ability to, if, if there is a value or a number or a metric or something that showing is the ability for an operator or somebody to add some context to that metric. Um, yeah. you, you know, what happened was there an incident, an event and a, and, and having a system that allows for that kind of entry because that, that human commentary and context is, is super important. And, and mm -hmm. sometimes a, a machine or a, or a, or a uh, automated entry can't, can't give that to you. Um, so that, that's quite an important view as well. Yeah, no, definitely, 100%. And, you know, I've just been kind of taken aback a little bit in the last couple of years as to how relevant manual entry is. Even on the biggest systems we've implemented, We've still got certain sites where they will manually enter almost all their meter readings. Um, and, you know, it's great to automate it and you can have a, like a long-term plan to automate it, but manual entry is fundamental. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's the basis that you can start with. You can start a site that's got nothing with a, a manual entry system. You can get reports, you can generate it. And as you, as you start, proving the funds and proving the, the, the benefits, you can install more metering and automate it and kind of yeah. prevent that. So yeah, that's that's important and that's throughout. I mean, you look at the other systems, all the filler optimizations, et cetera, et cetera. There's, you know, there's a lot of importance in, in, in manual, you know, in, in that, that ability to enter values manually and enter yeah. reasons manually and enter comments, yeah. yeah so much there. Cool. So you spoke about the infrastructure, some metering, some investment in hardware. We covered um, a central or a, or a unified, if I can call it that, historian where, where all of the different data silos can be uh, negated and collected in one source, building the reporting from there, uh, creating awareness in terms of actions for an operator, for anybody on the plant floor. What does this mean in actual energy usage terms, uh, my actions. And then you want to get some reporting that is uh, unambiguous, trusted, <laughs> um, yeah. and, and broad across the business. That, that's, that's the end goal, really. No, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Getting, getting everyone on the same page and giving everyone to kind of believe the number and we use it, you know. <laughs> I find that's definitely. one of the most interesting barriers is getting people to believe that that number is actually true. <laughs> I mean, 99% of the well. time it is. Eh? <laughs> Absolutely. That number can't be. That's, that's, no, we don't want to see that number because it can't be, it can't be real. It can't be true. Um, we've, we've, we've heard some of that as well. Um, yeah. In fact, some people actually even almost sabotaging some of that, some of that process because they don't like the number that they see. <laughs> yeah. Um, then from, from that reporting point of view, uh, sort of in the longer term, you can then show some uh, actual monetary or financial gain. Uh, there is then buy-in in the system. Uh, there is a habit of, of not only a habit, but to your point culture. again, in culture of, of looking at the numbers, trusting the numbers. And that's the, that's the goal. That's the utopia. That's, that's the dream we're headed for. And then having something in place over and above that, where if we're adding a new line, adding a new cell, whatever your process looks like, the ability to quickly add that to the existing system. Great. Not to uh, worry about the, not, the additional well you need to, to drill and get the data from. Yeah. Just adding it to your already 
uh, infrastructure, which is based on open protocol, so you can always exactly. Yeah. It's not yeah. necessarily a ton of code that adds to your technical debt, and then you you know it's not easy to add, add or expand to 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 the process. For sure, and also just not you know not getting stuck in one system either is so important. You know, just being able to use the open source. You know, the technology that's moving around us, you know, things are moving fast um, and, you know, make sure we can, we're setting ourselves up to utilize that and yeah. going forward as well. Thinking about the future is, is important there, I think, which is yeah. cool. It's really exciting seeing what's coming around and, you know, the difference between technology and the different, um, you know, optimizations and reporting solutions and, you know, all of the yeah. data ops platforms. Cool. Rob, any, any other um, advice, suggestions, recommendations for anybody <laughs> listening that are looking at, at I, I suspect my usage is completely out of whack, or I know my usage is, is completely outside of limit. I have no idea where to start, apart from calling you. We'll share your details. Any other practical, uh, any other practical advice based on your, on your experience over the last couple of years? Look, I think, you know, a lot of the time it's, it's, uh, it's not something that's out of reach of anyone. It's not rocket science. A lot of the time, some of the technology takes a bit more insights. Um, but yeah, use, use what you've got. I mean, I think that's most important. And the last kind of comment I wanted to maybe add is don't, don't forget the rest of the systems, you know, the safeties and the waste management and so on as well. And kind of, CIP optimizations and of course mm. you know the one thing that we, we 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 talk about so much when we're talking about you know we're getting further down the line is how well does it how much does it help us to optimize our performance optimizing performance can hugely improve your 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 utilities and um, and and you know sustainable metrics so mm. do focus on it but you do need to look at your utilities plants and your utilities equipment as well um, it is absolutely critical um, to make sure that that's moving along and being sized correctly and being, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, and you've got efficient pumps and efficient motors and VSDs in the right places and so on. And so there's, there's a lot to look at, but um, you know, almost everything helps. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned in our, our previous um, chat, which was the one that we had over a beer, you spoke about, uh, yeah, this is the, uh, an area or a focus for every single person within the business. But you also mentioned, a, um, I don't know if we call them a champion, but somebody, somebody at least initially that drives this view and this process. Because we all understand in a day-to-day in -day operation, if you have a day job, regardless of what that may be, that could be operations, maintenance, you know, everybody has a day job, but somebody almost has to, has to own um this this drive at least initially until it becomes a much broader view that that's probably an important view as well having that energy champion with within any business yeah no good good memory there but yeah 100 percent. you know i think that's 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 really talking to the people and uh, attitudes and approaches to it we've got yeah. to really want it as well um and yeah that helps that's that's absolutely critical to make a success out of a project like this yeah. Cool. So, Rob, we are you okay that we share your details with the podcast? There's some contact details. I'm sure there there would be some people yeah, that would absolutely. Be to get hold of you. Fantastic. Excellent. Cool. Awesome. 
All right. Yeah, so any advice anyone needs, just shout. I'm more than happy and very passionate about making the world a better place as well. So that's awesome. So. And that's that's why you are one of us. Our... Sorry, it's not just because you live in Cape Town. Yeah. That's why you one of our uh, one of our favorite engineers and one of our favorite humans, Rob, is because of that passion. So so thank you very much for your for your time and sharing some of that. I think if I if I can maybe just summarize three points. Go for it. Just three points that you want to take away maybe from this is first of all, own your data. Make yes. sure you own your data. Second of all, and we've said it so many times on, on these on the podcast or the human machine podcast, is utilize open protocols. And I think the last one is a little bit more. Uh, I always go into the tech a little bit too much, but I think one thing that Rob really highlighted here is that this is a this is a company thing. And what I mean with that is everybody in the company must believe in having a sustainable goal. So don't do this alone. Make sure you you, you make that culture of the sustainable mm. culture in your company. I think yeah. if you do those three things, yeah. I think you, you're golden. Yeah. yeah spot sure. on there. Spot on there, Lenny. And, and we, think we, we often speak about when, when the topic of digital transformation comes up, you, yep. you understand the technology that improves the process, that enables the person, person. but it has to be enterprise-wide. That's all. That's very often the missing the missing view Correct. that people don't have. Yeah. Nice summary, Lenny. Thank you. Oh, that's quite. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> exactly. Three things. You Just haven't even had a beer yet, and you. No. <laughs> on a Friday. It is a Friday. It's a good day. Rob, awesome. Thank you so much for your time and your and your insights. Um, it's, it's exceptionally valuable as always. We we thank you for that. Thank you guys for having me and really appreciate the good, great work you do in the industry. Yeah. Cool. And, and you keep it up. We, 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 we need, we need passionate um, champions in our industry and you, you definitely one of them. Thank you for that. Uh, what's the next episode? I'm trying to think. I have Sorry, no that idea. Was, that was Rob. That, that was Rob. That was Rob, Robert Aubrey from next integration. We'll, we'll share Rob's details. Um, awesome team. They, they're doing some amazing things and, uh, add value in, in so many ways. So we'll share Rob's details. I have no idea what the next episode is. I, I think we've got a couple of things lined up. We're definitely not going to leave the next episode for another four months. Mm -hmm. um, it'll be a little bit sooner than that. We are also heading off to Inductive Automation's annual conference, the ICC, in September in California, in Folsom, California. I think that'll be uh... That would be a good podcast if we can get somebody from Inductive. Definitely. If, uh, We're trying to set up the yeah. podcast with somebody at Inductive there live from, from California, but we'll, we'll have another one before that. But yeah. So always, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for, for sharing this journey with us. We're not professional podcasters. We're just passionate about our industry. But if you have any comments, what is, what is the email address? Uh, podcast at Element 8. Podcast at Element 8. Element 8. If you have any comments or suggestions or topics that you want to cover or some other people some amazing people in our industry that you would like us to to chat with let us know we always appreciate the, the input and the feedback cool and with that have a great friday thank you very much for listening and look after each other thank you very much everybody cheers everybody bye, -bye.